Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gormy. I'm glad to have you here with us today as I bring back a returning guest, Miles Russell Telecron, a.k.a. Telecron. Uh, we are going to dive into something that I think a lot of you will resonate with today, but also something that might push a couple of buttons, I hope. Uh, this is going to be our social media pet peeves episode. Uh, Miles, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for us to have this discussion. I want to throw some disclaimers out there first. Miles and I are going to be sharing our opinions. Um, we are not the lords of the universe. So uh, if you hear us say something, that is something you find yourself doing. Um, you're just going to know how it makes the two of us feel. Does it make other people feel that way? Uh, probably. But um, I, I, we just... This is something we want, some different topics that we talk about a lot that we wanted to dive into today. And we are going to um, have like a, a basically a, a 10 point list at different points. We'll have different, different topics for each number, but then there'll be some where we intersect because we just agreed so much. We felt like we need to um, do it together. And we'll obviously both be sharing our opinions on everything we're talking about today because we are two pretty opinionated people. So are you ready for this, Miles? What what are you feeling today? Oh, I'm 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 ready, man. It's a it's a holiday. I got um, some meat on the smoker, so I got some free time. Nice, nice. Yeah, it is for those of we are recording on Labor Day, uh, because um the the sling intent, as A. D. Hito would say, doesn't take a day off. You know, doesn't we don't we don't take days off. So we're gonna get right into this. Like I I we're gonna start with something that I know is is big. I've talked about this before on on my stories when I when people respond to me. Um, and I know Miles, you've expressed frustration over this one too. But we're we're saying our first pet peeve we want to get into is learned helplessness. Learned helplessness. And what does learned helplessness mean? It means you know really it goes into the fact that um, a lot of times when you when you make a post on social media. Uh, especially, you know, someone who knows they have a lot of followers or knows that people are looking to them for information. We're going to tag the companies where we buy the products. We're going to put that information out there. Um, I know I, I put a lot of thought into what I write for my captions, try to get all that information in there. And you immediately still get a message from someone that says, what is that? What is that brand? Where do I get that? And it, and it goes down to this basic idea that for some reason, people holding smartphones in their hands don't know how to open the browser. Am I right? Well, yeah, I mean, and I think this applies to so many things in life. Um, you know, like, like, I think you put it, you put it amazingly well, you have in your hand, basically, like all of human history, and a, a wealth of database of, of information. And it seems kind of silly when people um, have have very benign questions and they're like, oh, like, I wonder where I could buy that or I wonder like what that means. And rather than looking it up, they assume that, you know, the answer for them. It's always kind of funny when someone asks a very, uh, very like personal question, like, oh, where can I buy this? And, and I'm like, well, did you look for stores near you? Did you look to see if it's on Amazon? Um, did you look up what that word means um, versus having you know, waiting for somebody else to see if they see your message and then take the time to kind of like Google it for you when you could have done it yourself. And, and that like, 
that's that's it right there i think like it's this propensity that we all have as i have it myself sometimes but we have this propensity to not want to do the the legwork ourselves anymore we want things just to be handed to us so instead of even trying to find an answer you go right to the right to the post and say what is this and a simple sometimes even just simply clicking on the tag in the post would take you to the information but instead people want it. so i i often will write back to someone and say um i'm very sorry that your phone is broken and and, <laughs> and they and they say what do you mean i go well clearly you could have googled this yourself and you're not so i'm assuming it's because your phone is broken not because you want me to do the work for you and with some people they find that funny and some people don't find it that funny but it really it goes back to like in a lot of the episodes of this show i've talked about like having to find the right path for yourself and you know we're going to get into some more of that type of thing but i i think this is this is like a big overarching thing that people need to think about is like sometimes it's okay to have to do some of that research on your own and then if you don't find an answer say i i went and looked for this and i can't find it can you help me that to me is different than saying what is that yeah exactly and you know there's two thoughts that come to mind and you know i hate to use cliche metaphors but there's that old one um you know maybe it's even a, a, like a biblical saying where it's like you you teach a man to fish and eats for life versus just giving him a fish and that's very true for for a lot of things. You'll you'll learn a lot more and become more capable if you get a, if you acquire a skill than someone who's giving you the answer. Um, and it's it's one thing if someone's like asking a very simple question, but part of this is learning how to do this on your own, learning like how to cook things on your own, learning how to get tools on your own, or where to where to source things, or like where to get information about workouts. And if someone just gives you the answer, it's like oh, do do five sets at this weight. Versus you finding a plan for yourself, like finding a plan for yourself will go much further for you to develop like a skill set and the resilience to kind of, you know, keep yourself moving on, on your whatever your journey is. Um, but I think one of the things I want to point out, I, I, there's nothing wrong with asking for advice or, or an opinion, mm. right? That's, that's very different than asking for facts. I mean, it's one thing if someone says, hey, Miles, like, what do you think about if I cook a steak this way, or what, what's the best method for this versus like, what is a steak? You know, there's a big difference in those two questions. One is in connecting with somebody, asking for their wisdom. One is, just, can, you, can you tell me, like, can you look up something in a dictionary for me? <laughs> oh, completely. Like, you know, especially when someone says, I've never had that, what is it? Like, and I can get if it's something like exotic you're posting, but if like, it's, it's a, if it's like a hamburger, mm -hmm. like, just do a little, just, I just want to encourage people to do a little more for themselves because, like you said, in the end, it's more empowering. Like, it really is more empowering when you're like, I figured this out. Like, and that doesn't, like you said, it doesn't mean don't ask for advice. It doesn't mean don't ask for opinions. Like, I like when I post something and someone says, well, what did you think about that? Did it, especially like when we, when I do some experimentation of late with like different kinds of like keto treats or nut butters or things. And I get people asking, they're like, you've talked about having trouble with nut butters. Like, how did you react to this one? You didn't talk about that. Uh, that spurs more information and dialogue, you know, in a lot of ways that I think are really great and helpful for people. But if I post a jar of nut butter and the person says, I've never seen that nut butter before. Where did you get it? Or what is the brand? Like, just, I, here's my thing. This is my advice to everyone out there. 99% of what I buy is from Amazon. 
Yeah, me too. And not only that, if it's not from Amazon, it probably came from a local grocery store. And so therefore, right. you probably can't get it at your grocery store, or maybe you can. Or two, I just Googled it and found the, the company's website. Um, but I think I think this that this whole subject it's it's just a social skill in general. I mean, mm. I, I'm not like the I'm not like the the best you know most charismatic person ever. But if I if I meet somebody new and or I'm at a party and I say like, oh. Like, where did you get those shoes? Or, you know, versus, oh, I like your shoes. Like, what did you choose to, what, like, why do you, what, what do you like about them? Or asking them a question about why they chose something. Or, like, you know, it, it, it engages the person. Like, it's a more meaningful connection. And that's, I think, the, the power of social media is you can actually make meaningful friendships and connect with people. And it's a lot, you know, more meaningful if you ask people about, like, why they do something or something. How did that affect you? Or what did you think versus, like, what is mm. that? Definitely. And it, it actually is like a basic, it's a core communication counseling technique, you know, o the idea of open-ended questions. Um, exactly. It you, allows people you, you, to engage. Right. It allows people to engage. You don't want people, you know, you when you're trying to create a dialogue with someone, because I also know sometimes you get questions like this because the person just wants to talk to you and wants to see if you'll respond. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I get I get that. I, I understand that I... You know, I sometimes will get messages from people that that say, wow, I didn't think you'd respond to my question. Like I, I try to respond to every if I miss a message, it's because I didn't get a notification and it get it somehow got buried. I've had that happen randomly, but I respond to everything. So I, I don't don't worry about asking something that gets a little more in depth. If you want to ask something that gets more in depth, I I'm not an expert on, on anything um, except talking. And, um, <laughs> you know, I could I could talk for hours about nothing. but you know, let's, you know, engage, you know, create that dialogue. If you want to create that dialogue, it's totally okay. Uh, anything else you want to say about that one, Miles? What do you think? Um, you know, I, I honestly, I think I'm guilty of the, a little of this at myself sometimes when and I've mm. gotten better at that, where I've asked somebody um, like a question. And I, I, I think I, I've told people this too. Like you can just like what, someone asked me, like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you try it? And I've had people say that same thing to me. Where I was like, well, what did you think about that? And they're like, I don't know. I liked it, but you should try it. So I'm guilty of the same time of doing the same thing. Definitely. And, and I think that's, a, that's a, a big disclaimer for all of this is most of these things on the pet peeve list, for me at least, are things that I've done before. And I've come around to a different way of thinking about. So, you know, don't – if you're out there and you're already like, oh, goodness, they're going to go in hard. Um, I don't think we are. <laughs> um, but, you know, don't. If, if your immediate reaction is to, and this is something that has been said to me a lot, like professionally, because I, I used to at one point, you know, get very defensive when anyone criticized anything that I did. Um, and I finally had someone pull me aside and say, you know, you need to, to chill out and just take feedback sometimes. So we're just giving some feedback today. Oh, that's, what, think, that's, one, of the that's what we're doing. That's one of the hardest life skills is, is giving feedback and being able to take feedback. No mm. one wants to hear negative feedback, but you need that in order to grow as a person no matter what the subject is. Totally. So we're going to continue with our list of feedback then. We'll call this, you know, pet peeves and feedback. Constructive uh, feedback. <laughs> constructive feedback, of course. <laughs> so number two, we, we, our number two spot, we each have a different topic. I'm going to, I'll, I'll drop mine first and then we'll, we'll jump to yours. Um, and you obviously can share what you want to say about mine. But my number, number two social media pet peeve is when people come out and say, that tracking your macros or your calories is an eating disorder. Uh, when they make a proclamation and say, well, clearly, if you're having to do this, 
you're you're in a disordered pattern and and for me uh i do think anything can become disordered behavior for everyone um i think there are people that can you know get so much anxiety from the tracking that it's not a healthy thing for them but i think for i guess the the, the overarch of this one is blanket statements don't help anyone um so by going hard and saying you know you track your calories and your macros now you're clearly you're in an obsessive place again with food like don't don't make blanket generalizations just based on the tools that people are choosing to use no i agree and i think i think a lot of that comes from like a, a place of defensiveness i think mm-hmm. a lot of people don't want to have to be so extreme and a lot of people mm-hmm. think that what's healthy is is some sort of intuitive or mindful approach and I think that is a, a, a laudable end stage goal for a lot of people. And at some place, it's a place that I think I want to be and most people want to be. That said, sometimes when you have a very serious problem you're facing, you have to do a, take an extreme approach to solve that problem. And you kind of have to, um, like, this is, it comes down, I think, to more like black and white thinking versus, you know, like all or nothing, right? Like, versus right. focusing on, like, what's the best possible situation to be in? Um, like, let's say you had some sort of medical condition, like is relying on medication, the best solution versus lifestyle? Um, probably not, but if there's a place where you're, you're, you're improving your health through medication and, and incorporating that as part of a, a broader spectrum of treatment, that's probably what's best. And if, you know, you're facing like being overweight, maybe you do have to track your macros and that's a more effective way of, of not being overweight or unhealthy, even if it's not perfect or ideal, you know, like often in life you mm. kind of have to sometimes replace one problem with a solution that itself is also a problem and that sounds kind of weird but you know it's kind of like which is the the, the lesser of two evils which is a, which is better for you rather than which is perfect that's how i always look at right. it right i think that makes complete sense uh, because, what about I mean, your number two? Oh no um, god oh I'd... no no that, that was all i had to say um i i would say one of the things that i i think is a uh, a funny thing is overreaction to news and social media. And I know that, um, if, you know, behind the scenes, some people are, are, are posting because they, you know, they, they gotta get clicks. They gotta get, you know, produce sling tent, so to speak. Right. And so mm-hmm. obviously we, we need something to talk about every day. And we're also just posting the same photos over and over. So we want to talk about what's going on, but it seems like people overreact to, to anything that, especially if it's related to fitness or nutrition, I, I'm just comes to mind as a, a few months back, when like Jillian Michaels had something about, oh, keto is bad. Don't do keto. And everyone like lost their minds and was like, oh man, oh, yeah. tagging, tagging Jillian Michaels and attacking her. And it's like, she's getting exactly what she wants. She's getting eyeballs on her, you know, through, through drama. It's like, there's no such uh, bad news. It's still news, you know? Um, and it's funny. Cause if, if I always tell people like, who's, who, who's more confident in what they believe the person who shrugs off criticism or the person who freaks out. Um, and I think it's telling when people freak out at anything that kind of challenges their worldview gets, gets reported in the media. Of course, the news is going to be like, oh, keto is bad, you know, but like, why do we have to lose our minds about it and get all, all riled up? So to me, I always find that kind of amusing. Oh, for sure. I, I think the Jillian Michaels thing is, is the prime example of that. Like she was becoming less relevant and less headline. Exactly. So she posts that. And and the and the thing I thought was really interesting about people's reactions to that story specifically was one, a lot of people were messaging me and saying, 
so are you going to stop keto now because Jillian Michaels says it's bad? And really? two, yeah, oh, I got a lot of people that were like, you know, I don't think we should be doing this. Jillian Michaels is saying it's bad. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, look at her track record with people. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to keep going forward with what I, I know is right for me. And then the other, the other half was like, we have to show her that she's wrong. You're never going to change her mind. Like, and rightfully so, like, don't try. Don't, it, it goes back to that, that stoic idea of control what you can control and, and don't stress about the things you can't control. I can't, you and I today, when we're talking, if we disagree on something, we can't change each other. We can no. give information and all of that, but literally, you know, a person has to be open to your opinion before you should give it to them. Like just sharing, like going after a, a giant kind of, you know, public icon and, and throwing your information at your ideas at them, you know, isn't necessarily probably going to be the best use of your energy. Like know that you're doing the right things for yourself and, and be okay with knowing that someone else is going to come up with a headline in a few weeks that'll go in an, an opposite direction. Like don't, don't, don't stress out about it. Yeah, I'm not saying we should bury our heads in the sand and not be mindful of what's going on in the world, right? I mean, being informed right. consumers of of media and citizens is important to know what's going on. What what's you know that there are you know good things and bad things going on in the world or politically. That's one thing, but um, I you know there seems to be like more of a propensity to freak out, like oh my god, there's like you know Impossible Burgers and you know like you know people are talking about like forest fires and we should all just freak out and, and get angry about it. Um, well, I can't control like if someone creates a new product, you know, I'm just going to focus on what I know is healthy for me. Makes complete sense, man. Uh, let's go on to number three. And why don't we, we start with yours this time? Um, so one, one of my, um, um, I think biggest pet peeves and a lot of things in life is, is not trusting the process. And I think that that applies not just in fitness, nutrition, but a lot, anytime you're, you're taking on a new endeavor, um, like things take a lot of time, but humans, we want like immediate results. Um, mm. So a lot of people will start something and they'll be like, oh my God. And I see this everywhere, like on, on Reddit, on Facebook, on, on Instagram, in like real life. Oh, I started X and it's been two weeks and I've only like lost two pounds or, you know, I started weightlifting, but I haven't put on 10 pounds of muscle or I started a new job, but like, I don't like it yet. Or, you know, I'm starting this new hobby, but you know, I'm thinking about quitting and no one wants to put in the time to kind of see the process through. And I think where this comes up big time, like it, let's say like, like, you know, both of us are more in the, the fitness and weight loss community, so to speak. And a lot of people oh, are yeah. trying to lose, trying to lose weight. Right. So people will start, uh, a, a diet expecting the straight line of progress. Um, but that's not how it works. There's setbacks and regains and, you know, water retention, or, you know, you, you may have a, a bad weekend. You're going to have failures along the way. And everybody's like, Oh, I better, like, I got an egg fast now, or maybe I'll give up dairy for a week, or maybe I will like, you know, eat more dairy or give up soda or, or do this rather than just focusing on, on the process, you know, whatever plan they've, they've, they've decided to adopt and stick with it to see it through. Um, everybody wants to just change things up constantly rather than focusing on, on, on the long-term process. Uh, I completely agree. I think it, it goes down to like, you often hear people say, you'll see people make a big proclamation. Like I'm completely stalled and I don't think this diet's working for me. 
and and then when you jig for a little more information, it's like, okay, so how long has your weight been, you know, stuck at where it's at now? Well, it's been a week. Yeah, a week. Okay. And the thing I think that people don't realize, like specifically, if anyone out there is dealing with their weight being the same from week to week for a couple of weeks, realize that your weight fluctuates every day so that there's a good chance that, you know, your weight is changing, but you're hitting it at different points, whether you're, you're, you know, micronutrient ratios are off or you or maybe your maybe your body is just reacting, you know, to a big drop it's already had. There's a lot of things that come into play there. But I always tell people, like, if don't tell me you're stalled until you're going on the second month of there being no change. Like, don't do that. Think about, you know, like, think about the bigger picture. And and the same thing with trying a new way of eating. You can't give, uh, you know, I, people also will say, you know, I tried keto, I tried Weight Watchers, I tried this, you know, I did if it fits your macros for a week, and I didn't see any results. Well, yeah, like you, you ate a certain way for, for decades, most of us, you know, it's going to take more than a week to see massive change. And some people's bodies react differently. Like I, I know some people, you know, when they, especially, you know, with the, this idea of keto, because a lot of us drop a massive amount of water we're carrying, especially if you're very heavy when you're starting a program like this. So they see numbers like that and they expect when they have 40 pounds to lose that they're going to see those same numbers the first week and it's not comparable. Um, so like you're saying, when you decide you're going to try something, as long as it's not adversely affecting your health, like don't, don't give heroin 60 days to see what it's going to do. For you. Like, <laughs> my goodness, like, don't do that. But if you're trying a new exercise, like, especially even like think about exercise and, and weightlifting routines and things along those lines, like you, you, you don't feel swole after three days. Oh, like, oh. Oh yeah, I mean exercises. I was I was gonna bring that up. It, it's like you know I know a lot of guys who um, they're like, hey Miles, like you know I want to I want to put some muscle on. You know what should I do? And I'm like, find a plan and stick to it because you know the way you get strong is by lifting weights almost every day the rest of your life. You know you 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 gotta lift heavy and you gotta keep doing it. And they'll start a plan and then invariably like a month in, like oh I I, I want to swap swap to that plan or do this plan. I'm like you know there's a a phrase on the internet that was coined a long time ago called fuck around itis. And it's like, Oh, today mm -hmm. I'm going to do this, this exercise and I'm going to do that and this. And it's like, the answer is to do consistently the same thing, you know, lift heavy, um, you know, with a good plan and don't worry about switching it up. Um, but everyone, but that's not what is exciting, right? It's not, it's, you get mm -hmm. bored with that and people want to, Oh, I got to, I, I, I want to do like this, 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 this exercise or do that. And rather than sticking to a consistent plan that's going to give them progress it's like if someone's running you know you get better at running by by running more and increasing your distance it's like do you just randomly sprint and then you know do parkour and all this stuff i mean that might be fun but it's not really getting you better at being a runner completely completely are we ready to move on to mine yeah okay so my number three is what i'm calling expert parrots um it's people out there and there's i've done it before myself but i know there's a lot of people out there that so you've got a you've got a researcher or an expert or a big influencer says x y and z and all of a sudden that becomes your mantra that you're screaming at people if they disagree and for me specifically this has happened a couple times with um on instagram and twitter when i post about my loose skin from my weight loss you know i'm I, I lived at over, you know, 400, 500 pounds for decades. 
I've lost, you know, over 300 pounds. So I have loose skin. That's my reality. I damaged my skin to the point that my body, you know, re even healing my skin, my body creates, you know, recreates it at the same rate. Like, and, and I get a lot of I, more than, and I know I, I, this is one of the ones where I knew, I know someone is out there probably like, um, he's talking directly about me, but don't think about that. I've gotten this from many people, but I, I'm told, well, you know, uh, Jason Fung says just fast and your loose skin goes away. And I'm like, okay. Uh, but I, I have been fasting for years at different points and doing the extended fasting and, you know, eating the right nutrients that I'm told will, will take my loose skin away. And I still have loose skin. So I'm just going to keep living my life, but don't assume that I'm not trying. Like there's no magic tricks. I think when it comes to some of these things, like that you're going to reach a point where, yeah, things will heal, but they're not going to move forward, you know, without necessarily some other kind of medical intervention. And so for me, the pet peeve is when someone will just shout a headline back at you instead of actually considering your experience and, and what you've done and what you're sharing and, you know, are very much like, you know, ex this person, you know, is even think about like what within the, the keto carnivore space, like there are, there are some people that believe eat a, eat a large diversity of, of animal products. And then there's some people that are, you know, there's some that are saying, um, I just eat ribeye every day and that's what I do. I get a great nutrient profile from it and that's what you should do. And so when you vary what you're doing and someone says, well, this person just use that, does that, or this person just does this. I always want to say, and this goes back to that learned helplessness, like go back and look into what that person is actually saying. Like, don't just take the headline that the person is giving off. Um, look into what they're actually saying. I think it happened. There was a lot of misunderstanding of late in the keto sphere specifically when it comes to keto carb ups mm -hmm. um, is what the, you know, the hashtag keto carb up. Um, there have been a lot of people experimenting with um, small amounts of, of carbohydrates of different kinds to see how they affect imp workouts and if they affect blood sugar. And, you know, it's been a very interesting thing from a scientific perspective to me, but every one of those people has not been saying, this is my blanket recommendation that everyone do this right now. And they've been saying that pretty explicitly, but people are reading it or seeing images and just assuming that that is the message. And that for me is the pet peeve. Like when you don't go past the headline and you stay just parroting that information instead of actually looking into what's behind it. Yeah. And even you'll find that even um, a lot of the people who are very influential and uh, authoritative in the community, they're mindful of that. Like Danny Vega will talk about how he's always, oh, I got to make sure I put a disclaimer in what I'm saying because people think that oh, they have to do what I'm doing. And he's very, he's very, he, I remember once on one of his podcasts, he was talking um, to his wife, Maura, about how he had sweet potatoes in one of his meals. And she's like, oh, you better tell people that, like, that's why you're, you're doing that for a test and that I'm not giving everybody permission to eat sweet potatoes. Not that he needs to give people permission, but people will do what he does because he's so like influential. For sure. For sure. So again, it just goes back to do the research for yourself, figure it out. It's okay. Um, anything else you want to say on that? I think well, one of the things that's, we live in a time where there's a lot of influential, uh, loud voices, you know, for good and for bad. And, mm. you know, it's important to, to, to think about 
well, you know, that may be all well and good, but how does it work for me in practice? And rather than just and assuming that if someone's doing something, they're aware of the information and probably um, applying it for their own selves, you know, as an experiment. So don't assume people don't know that before you uh, rush to judgment. Definitely. I think that sounds great. That's a good, a good bullet point on that, that topic. We're going to move on to our number four pet peeve. And uh, since I just talked to you, want to, you want to start with yours? Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's directly relatable to the last one. Um, and it's mm. like the, the prevalence of, of, of group think, um, like mm-hmm. an echo chamber in, in the community. Um, and I think the, the best way of thinking about it is there's a lot of dogma. Um, and I know that, there's a lot of people who have a lot of different viewpoints, right? There is like, there's people who are like, oh, you should eat high protein or high fat or, you know, people who are like, you don't need to be in keto all the time or whatever diet, right? There's a lot of different um, diverse opinions and viewpoints. But I think within any community, we, we rally around, because um, we're human and we have our, our biases, there's a lot of confirmation bias. Um, and mm. we tend to support things that support our worldview and shun things that don't. And I always chuckle because I will see all these posts um, every now and then. A new study will come out um, or a new article, and it'll be like, you know, eating meat is bad, or this is bad for the environment, or 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 this diet is bad. Um, and everybody like, oh, this study is flawed, and this is this is bullshit, and like, you know, we need us to combat this. And then the same one of the same people will post a study the same day or the same week, being like, look at all this evidence that supports the keto diet, or how like things are good. And I'm like, you're one once one post you're denigrating a scientific study without really explaining how it's that flawed and then another post you're saying this is a great study so you know science is science i'm not saying there's not flawed studies and there's a lot of money involved right that that pays to get things researched right to like guide conclusions but science is there's a scientific process and you know if you just denigrate one one study without a lot of real actual logical reasons for the other it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous and it, it, it's like us only it, it makes it look like a cult where anything like you know if someone believes that earth is flat it's like oh here's this proof that the earth is round you're like no that's just a, a, a conspiracy uh, and so a lot of that goes on and it just creates this like echo chamber where we're not really willing to take any sort of scientific criticism because maybe maybe there are valid scientific criticisms or or studies that we should be con- considering and so i think that and that goes really far because it just supports like a lot of woo thinking where like any sort of information that could support anything esoteric about a way of a way of eating or or, or fitness just gets promoted in, in this echo chamber. And I'm I'm I love what I, this way of my of way of eating that we're doing, but I'm I'm not going to just ignore any sort of problems that may emerge from the research and say, oh, that's just that's a conspiracy against it. You know, that's just big grain or big pharma. That makes complete sense to me. I I, I think you're right. I think we have. Especially when it's something you're passionate about that's working really well for you and helping you. And I mean, there's a lot of people using different ways of eating to heal their bodies, like mm-hmm. using the food they eat to heal their bodies. So when someone challenges that, it's it's a natural human instinct to uh, want to push back and rail at it. And then when someone supports it, you want to you want to raise the flag and wave it as 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 far and wide as you can. And I, I think something you and I talk about a lot is the idea that, you know, you have to you have to balance your perspective and be respectful of all sources of information and look into them. And I, I think I've seen some people, you know, when a study comes out and they post and they're like, OK, let's look at because I remember there was like a 
a sugar or so there was a study a couple of years ago that was saying that having a soda every day, a regular soda was okay. Like, mm-hmm. or was not something that affected people at all. Like having, having full sugar sodas. And then it turns out that it was like Pepsi or Coca-Cola that was behind the study. And then they looked at like what the actual, how the study was actually set up, or you can even go back to the original, you know, the original creation of the food pyramid. A lot of these things, like there, there is flawed information out there. And we're not saying don't, don't look into sources and don't read the studies. Like don't, you know, don't just discount everything, but be my, again, be mindful and don't just immediately assume that because something is against your point of view, that it's wrong. Um, be open to, to figure that out. And I think that also goes to like encouraging people to think about allowing their personal point of view to evolve. And I, like, I know for me, like I'll speak specifically to the fact that like when I first read, you know, Gary Taub's why we get fat and, and then Jason Fung's the obesity code, I was immediately a hundred percent all in on the insulin hypothesis, you know, the idea that it was completely, you know, the sugar we were eating, the carbs we're taking in that were preventing weight loss and driving weight loss. Um, and my perspective on that has shifted as I've, I've gone through this experience myself the past couple of years. And, you know, I've talked about that in other episodes where, you know, we, I realized that I have to have a broader view of, of what biology means and, you know, how my body reacts to things and, how I react to different foods isn't the way everyone else does. Like it's for me, it's the same thing when, you know, there, there are a lot of anti people who are really against the ketogenic diet out there who, you know, are more in like the, if it fits your macros camp strongly or vegans or whatever perspective you're from. And they want to do the same thing with information. And instead of acknowledging that thing, like, like I've actually gotten messages from people that say, congratulations on your weight loss, but I'm sorry, you're going to die sooner now because of it. Oh, and yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, oh, okay. Like, what do you mean? Well, you know, you're clearly you're not paying attention to your cholesterol. You're not paying attention to X, Y, and Z. You're not doing this, and it's like, okay, thanks. You know, because I know not to engage in in that kind of hyperbolic dialogue mm-hmm. because it's not going to get me anywhere. I I trust my process. I I trust my medical results, and you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm just going to do what I want to do. <laughs> Likewise. There you go. Um, let, let's move on to number four, if, if you're okay with that. Yeah, um, okay. I'll start. Th- I'll start this one off. Um, so my number four pet peeve is the the language of cheat meals and cheat days. Um, and I, I think I've touched on this a little bit before, but it, it's something that d- that comes up for me all the time. Uh, is this idea that, you know, and, and it's a little bumper sticker, my reaction, I think, like, you know, cheating never gets you anywhere. So why is a cheat meal or calling something a cheat meal or a cheat day going to helpful help you? Like, I, for me, have to frame it as making choices and being mindful in my approach to food. And so I see, you know, a lot of times, like, I just get a lot of, you know, re- replies and messages and things along those lines where people are like, well, why don't you do cheat days? Don't you think you'll break without a cheat day? I can't live without a cheat day. I can't cheat. I have to cheat. I have to cheat. And I I do really think one of the keys that people need to think about is building your sustainable life so that you don't have to think about cheating your life. Like 
so it, it irks me a little bit. Like even when I try to say that to someone and they say, well, I still want to cheat. I, I want to cheat now and then. And like, I think there is an illicit thrill that comes from the idea of cheating. And I get thrill eating. Like that used to be my life. Like, you know, going, going to drive throughs and eating in my car and knowing I could get caught and all of that. Like, don't I get that. But I, I think when you take some of the power away from that thrill, you find your your progress is better and you can you can address consequences better and not feel like you have to beat yourself up so much. So for me, I just wish we would as a as a population would drop that language. Well, yeah, I mean, I have I've have two thoughts on that. And the first is like like I like the idea of well, is it it's not a cheat because it's not like a shortcut, it's not an advantage, it's a setback if you're trying to lose weight to mm-hmm. go off plan, right? Um that said so I think it's more important to, to, to reframe the idea. So let's say, for example, you know, you're trying to, to save a bunch of money for a mortgage or a down payment. And then you, so you're being really good with like putting some money away every month and you're not eating out. Well, then one day you want to celebrate, right? And you're like, oh, man, this month I'm cheating on my mortgage by, by not saving versus, oh, I'm making the decision to put the money somewhere else this month because I, I want to have this momentary um, celebration. I know it's going to slow me down, so I can afford to buy the house, but I'm doing it. And then if you, and the same thing is true for food. If let's say you're trying to lose weight and you're dieting, and then, you know, one day it's a special occasion and you want to go off plan, you can either think about it like, oh man, in this guilty way, oh, I'm like cheating and I'm, 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 you know, and then you'll more often feel bad about it or like, you know what, I'm losing weight, but I know this will slow me down, but I really want to do X. So I'm going to do X and move on. I think that's how you reframe it into this more positive way. That way, it's not this thing you're going to feel shameful and guilt about it. So, I mean, I use example. So, I don't, I, we don't have to get too much into weight loss, but I've lost a lot of weight over the past, you know, four or five, six, seven years. And along the way, I've done multiple vacations where I went off plan completely for weeks at a time. And I always went into them not like, let's see how many pieces of sushi I can eat every day. But, you know, somewhere between, somewhere along those lines. That was right. kind of my mindset, right? And but every day before the trip, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to Japan, or I'm going to Tuscany, or I'm going to Europe, and I'm going to eat whatever I want while I'm there because I'm on vacation. I know I will get gain a little bit of fat. I know I'll come back a little bit bloated, but I'm going to be present for this. And I know it's going to slow me down. Mm. And I went into it always knowing that's what was going to happen. Um, and with that mentality, and I, I was able to come out of it knowing, I oh look, you're going to be up on the scale, but that's the decision you made. And I think that's a better way of approaching it for your mental health versus like, oh, man, why did I do that? I, I cheated and, and all this stuff. I think that's a better way of doing it. Because You see people post all the time like, oh, man, I, I, I went off plan this weekend and now I'm back on track. And they always seem so shameful and upset about it. And if they go into it more mindfully, then I think they'll cause themselves less mental anguish. Mm. Definitely. And so I, I think what I like is you brought this around to being less about me not wanting to hear the word cheat and more about us saying let's let's try to to reframe our thoughts in in this area and and use it as a useful tool i like that i like that a lot yeah i think a lot of things in life are mindset it's not necessarily changing everything it's just changing how you approach situation to to help you in your long-term well-being definitely so we're going to move on to number five we're going to actually start with mine because i think yours um, is going to be a little more in depth of, of, of a discussion. My number five, I think is pretty, is pretty simple. Um, 
My number five is when people say keto is too restrictive. And I'm, I'm speaking about keto specifically here because, yes, people say it about other diets. But I, I want to speak to the fact that um, I, I think people who think keto is too restrictive aren't looking at the diversity of food available to us on the planet Earth right now and aren't realizing that, you know, you're just eating meat and vegetables. Like, how can you live with that? Um, I, th I think it it comes from two places. One, you haven't really ever explored food in your life, like to try other things. So it's, it is foreign to you to think about eating something besides a sandwich. Um, two, and probably more my pet peeve is when people say keto is too restrictive because they want to eat foods that have been damaging to them for their whole lives. And it's that idea of you'll never eat cake again. You'll never eat cookies again. You'll never do X, Y, and Z again. Um, it's, it's trying to wrap your head around understanding that you've been damaging yourself with those foods. Like that's something I have been doing. Like I don't have, I like even one of our, our, our friend Dale posted today about Krispy Kreme's new seasonal donut. Um, it's a pumpkin spice donut that is filled with cheesecake filling. Um, that looks incredible to me. I, I think it looks amazing. But I know if I went to get one, I would turn around and go back to the drive-thru and get six more and probably six more after that. Like, I know how I would react to something like that. I know that for me, I, I can't set that boundary. So instead, I, I follow the, the eating plan that I do follow. I eat keto. And there's so, there is such a wild diversity of, of food available. And I think it's just this idea that we get locked in to what we've always done. And can't understand how you could live without, you know, that idea of living without scares people. But for me, it, it goes back to that meme, that meme cartoon that's been posted a lot the past couple months. And it's a giant, it's, it's like a doctor's office or like a, actually it looks more like a DMV window. And mm, I know exactly what you're a, talking about. Yeah. There's a giant line of people in front of the line that says um, medicine and medical treatment. And then there's no one in line for the window that says, eat healthy and move your body. And that's something that kills me, literally, like hurts me emotionally. Like I get upset for people when I see people that specifically are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And, and I get, you know, I'm not ever saying anyone shouldn't take their medicine for diabetes, like anything at all ever like that. But what I'm saying is there is a way to help your body heal from type two diabetes specifically. Don't confuse it with type one uh, by changing what you're eating, but people don't want to change what they're eating. And for me, I don't want to face a progressive death sentence because I'm unwilling to not have chips Ahoy cookies. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just, I think we have to be better as people and realize that, um, you can work with your doctor on, you know, if you're in an insulin dependent state and think about, you know, what you're doing in terms of the food you're putting in your body and how the, it is in reaction to the food you're putting in, the amount of insulin you need to use and things along those lines. Like, I know there's going to be some people that get defensive over that, but I, I think there's some dietary changes you could commit to that would help with a lot of problems, but we don't want to do that. And it's this idea that it would... I'd never be able to eat X, Y, and Z again, so I couldn't live like that. People, people live on a lot less. Um, and it's, do you want to live or do you want to have that food experience? And if you want to choose the food experience, do it. Like, 
do it, whatever. Like you're an adult, you can do whatever you want to do. But don't come at me and tell me the way that I'm eating or the way that I talk about eating is too restrictive for people to survive on and, and be sustainable. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there that prove that it is very sustainable and have done it for a whole lot longer than you or I have even, and, you know, are thriving. So just open your mind a little bit to the idea that sometimes we have to make changes in our lives and change our approach to things in order to help ourselves live longer. Yeah, I think the, the when people complain about keto being too restrictive, I, I notice it for two different reasons from two different groups of people. Um, I think some people say that, that like the average person that I'll meet will, will find out that I'm eating a ketogenic diet. And then their response is, oh, how can you ever do that and not have X, Y, or Z? And then, mm -hmm. then I'll hear it from people who are losing weight and trying to use keto and they feel restrictive. And I think the two complaints come from two different places. I think one, you know, you step back and look at the average person you know, let, look, trying to lose weight or not, right? They'll, they'll, and if they criticize the, the, the ketogenic diet because they think, oh, you can't eat bread and pasta, like you have no variety. Most people don't have a lot of variety. You know, they eat the same thing every day, more or less. They just, um, they don't, they're not like one day eating like, like, oh, I mean, some people do a lot of variety, but the average person just eats the same, similar foods day in and day out. Um, maybe when they're eating a, a normal diet, they have more carbs and, and more grains, but they're not eating like this cornucopia of this bounty of things every day. Um, mm. And so when they hear about the ketogenic diet, they assume that like, oh, you can't have all this variety, but in their head, it's more like theoretical variety that's gone. Um, and they're, they're also not thinking about all things you can have um, because like, 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 I guess grains and breads are so ubiquitous as sides in our culture that people are really limited in how they think about what, what meals could be, right? And they're thinking about food more as entertainment um, and from variety. And there's like, it's kind of funny is that I think I, my diet has gotten more simple and more refined over time um, just because that's what, what works for me. But I think I try a lot more things now that I've gone this way than I did in the past. When I was eating a standard American diet, I was eating the same kind of junk food day in and day out. It wasn't a lot of variety. It was just, it was just my, my go-to thing. Um, mm. Now, I think when people who are doing the diet feel constricted and complain about stuff, it's because, you know, I might hurt some people's feelings, but if you are obese or you were obese, you were addicted to food. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You had a disordered relationship with food. You were probably using food to medicate something, maybe your emotions, maybe something. You know, you were using food for entertainment. You don't get to 500 pounds. Um, by accident, you know, you don't get there right. without having some serious issues that you have to work through. And a lot of people use food to entertain themselves. And they so when when they're looking to, to soothe themselves or entertain themselves with food or not be present, the idea of giving up these things is really scary. And you, you, you want mm. to be you want to go back to entertaining yourself, you want to go back to this bounty of things, and you feel like you can't have that with the ketogenic diet. And the thing is that when you're, you know, maybe you're not entitled to, that's the thing people forget about entitlement. Do you want to be thin and healthy or do you want to have every possible pleasurable thing possible? You know, you have to really work on like weight loss. is not just about losing weight on the scale and getting healthier. So much of it is that mental relationship with food. And that's something that you and me are still even working on. Like to this day, even oh, though yeah. we're successful, like the, the work never ends because the work is like, why do I want to eat that Oreo still? You know, uh, you know, or why do I want to just eat a bunch of cake? Because those feelings don't go away. It's like an alcoholic has to work on that for their whole life. 
like, why do I not want to drink or why do I want to drink? Um, and that's the key. It's like, why do I want all these different junk foods and candies for, you know, when I know they're bad for me and like kind of li- be comfortable with those uncomfortable thoughts and work on that. Completely, completely. I think I agree 100% with that. My, my last word on, on this idea of keto being too restrictive, the next time you're really feeling that, or if you honestly believe that, like I would encourage you to go to Barnes and Noble and pick up uh, one of Maria Emmerich's cookbooks or one of um, Matt and Mega Keto Connects cookbooks or go to um, Culinary Lion Keto's website or rule.me and just look at the recipes available. Look at the variety that is there and realize that it might take learning some new skills in the kitchen, but there's there's a whole heck of a lot of options out there. Don't 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 ever worry about that. Like you you can find it. You just have to have to look for it sometimes. You, you can find almost any type of meal you want in a ketified version. I'm not going to lie to you and say you're going to find donuts that taste as good as donuts. Um, right. But you can find most things you're looking for. Definitely, definitely. So so let's let's switch focus to your number five. Um, mine was uh, people who focus on grains of sand and not the big rocks. Um, and I'll use uh, uh, something that happened to me recently where I was talking to somebody about, um, we're talking about like the best tools to, to, to sear steaks. And they were commenting about how they, they were going to throw out their Teflon pan because Teflon has like chemicals in it and they were going to like, you know, get rid of X or someone was like getting rid of all the glass, all the plastic in their house. Um, mm-hmm. And the, yeah, those, yeah, maybe Teflon can be bad and maybe plastics are bad, but this guy's problem was the fact that he was morbidly obese and an alcoholic. And I'm like, you know, you could, you're, you're going to get a lot more mileage by cleaning up your diet and your health than get, getting rid of that Teflon pan or people who are trying to get healthy and lose weight but they're focusing on like red light therapy or you know getting their blue blockers and i know that like you know or biohacking i guess i'll put that umbrella out sure yeah, like bio, you know living a, like i'm always looking to improve my life everywhere i can right you know and you know there's a lot of evidence for things like blue blocker therapy right but people get lost in all this minutia and all these like these these new hacks or these new things or these small things as opposed to focusing on like the big rocks the big rocks are your diet nutrition and are you working out? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you avoiding stress in your life? Um, things that you have a lot of direct control over and rather than focusing on these. I can't control how much plastic is in the ocean. I mean, I can pollute less, but I can't worry about that. You know what I mean? And microplastics and this, you know, I got to focus on, am I making the best choices um, in my day-to-day life? And so many people get get lost in the weeds trying to be perfect everywhere they can, doing everything mm. they can. Versus, and you're going to get a lot less mileage out of a lot of these things when you can put those effort into the big things because, you know, there's a saying that willpower is a muscle and like you have a limited amount of like decision fatigue is huge. Like I know, I know this from, from my line of work, the more choices you have to make, the worse you get at making them as the day goes on. And so if you limit your, your exertion mentally onto the big tasks, they'll pay far more dividends than working about worrying about all these small little things that are going to have very little impact on your overall health and well-being. For sure, man. And it, it really, because for me, I, I think we're sending this one out to the people that are still dealing, you know, dealing with their weight and food issues, like dealing with them from a, a macro level, like a, a not, not macros, like 
food macros, but a macroscopic level, like some, a lot of these specific biohacks are, are more microscopic and the benefits are going to come in different ways that, you know, you, you, like, if you want to adjust, like, this is one of the things like I, my doctor is keto and very much in line with everything that I'm doing. And we've had discussions about like my testosterone level. And I, you know, was talking to him about like, you know, a hormone clinic and a lot of different options and things along those lines, a lot of different things to try and all of that. And he said, yes, you know, all of that, all of those are things you can try and we can look into, um, you know, I'm more than willing to look into those things with you, but realize that the biggest impact on your testosterone level for these past, you know, 45 years has been the fact that you've been morbidly obese, you know? So let's, let's look at, you know, that big rock, you know, is what's my biggest rock I need to move. And then can I tweak and can I get specific and can I find where areas that I want to boost? And am I excited by new research? And, you know, I want to see how I feel when I change the nutrient profile of my food. And I know for me, I talk a lot about wanting to source my, source my meat well, because I like animal treatment and things along those lines. But when someone then comes to me and says, like they can't attempt to eat keto because they can't afford grass-fed meat. I, I then have to say, well, you don't have to eat grass-fed meat to be on a ketogenic diet. Like there are other other manners of approach, and it's there's decisions we make based on kind of morality and on reality. And you know, I I think it's okay sometimes to say I have to compromise because my budget doesn't allow me to do something, but I still want to eat as best I can. Like that's something I've heard a lot of experts talk about, you know, do the best that you can. And like you're saying, like we have a limited amount of resources within our heads and within our wallets and all of those things. Like do the best that you can and worry about the fine tuning when you have the resources available to do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're if you're trying to start a ketogenic diet, you know, you don't. People would you you're not going to get very far if you freak out about making sure everything's organic, everything's pasture raised, everything is is grass fed, everything is is wild caught, everything is free of microplastics. You know, you you need to like it's there's a huge learning curve, um, and you need to get used to you know your nutrition, what meals are going to look like, and then once you've got that down, you can say, oh, I want to get the best possible ingredients I can, and move on. I mean, I think. Like, you know, like, again, it's like figuring out where, where, where you get more bang for your buck. I mean, like, there's that one of the cliches you hear about is people trying to save money. And it's like, well, if you give up your latte every day, you know, you'll save money. Well, yeah, that's true. But you know what will save a lot more money is giving your car payment, you know, getting out of debt. Like, you, you your car payment's like $300 a month. You're, you're, you know, that's a big a big saving right there. So kind of figuring out what, what are the biggest impacts I can do on my finances versus Oh, I'm going to save clip coupons and save a few pennies on my soda. Meanwhile, I'm spending $500 on my new phone, you know, figure out where, where, mm. where the big rocks are in your life, no matter what the topic is. That, that's a perfect, perfect thought for people. Um, you ready to move on to number six? I am. Okay. So number six actually leads me to a question for you, Miles. Um, are you ready for it? Uh, I think I know what your question is going to be. Uh, Miles, I need you to tell me your macros. <laughs> All of them. All of them. And exactly how many calories are you eating today? That's um, right. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. I'm, I'm not expecting you to answer that. Uh, our number six pet peeve is, is one of our intersecting pet peeves, one that we both deal with you know, on a regular basis. Um, I get the question a lot. You know, 
how exactly how many calories are you eating and what exactly are your macros because I want to do that. And, you know, I want to lose weight like you are. I want to lose, you know, 300 pounds. I want to lose 250 pounds. Uh, so I need to know exactly what you're eating. And I always then have to go into a response where I say, well, my macros are set for me by my coach and they're very individualized to where I am at my journey and how much weight I've lost already and where I'm moving and what my maintenance level is. You know, those are things you need to consider for yourself. Like, so I can give you some general ideas. Like I'll talk to people about like my fat to protein ratio and the amount of carbs I'm eating, because those are things that are pretty consistent for me and consistent across like the type of program that I follow. But if you're like it for me, if, if you're a 500 pound man or a 350 pound woman or whatever you are, and you go to me and I'm a 213, 215, depending on the day pound man, and you want to know exactly what I'm eating so you can copy that, you're going to just end up hurting yourself in the end. Like that's not the right approach to take. And I, I know it's, it comes from a place of people not knowing where to start or what to do. But again, it goes back to sometimes you have to do some research and you have to find resources and tools for yourself that I can help direct you towards. But my specific numbers uh, are not going to be helpful to you at all. So I could honestly, like, there's always a part of me that's like, I should just tell them exactly what I'm doing. But then I know in a month they're going to come back and say, I'm eating exactly what you're eating. and It's not helping me because it, it, it is very individualized for me. The other facet of this issue to me is um, I'm, I'm very open about the fact that I work with a coach. I pay that coach with money out of my pocket and I pay for the services I'm getting. I pay for those macros and, and that calorie level. And I don't want someone to try to vicariously live through my coaching experience because it's not something they, they feel like they can commit to themselves. Like I'll gladly give people examples, but again, it, you have to look more for yourself. Like it's this idea of compare, comparing yourself to other people and trying to build yourself off of that comparison. Yeah. And I, I think it, it people, um, they all, it's not just like, you know, what are your macros? I mean, I, I've gotten that question before too. And I'm always telling people, well, like I'm a six foot five man who's weightlifting in, you know, weighs 200 something pounds and you're a, right. like a middle-aged housewife who's sedentary. Um, so I'm not sure like what, how, what I'm doing is directly comparable to what you would be doing. Um, so I can't really give you advice there. I'm, I always tell people like, oh, you know, you can, you can find a macro calculator, you can, you know, pay, pay a coach, you can do whatever. Um, but it's going to be far more individualized than just trying to do what I'm doing. Um, and, and then I always, you know, people will, will ask me like, not just about calories and macros, but like, you know, like what what is like, are you fasting or like, what's your protein or like, are you eating all that fat? And it's like, yes, but you know, this is all individualized. And like, what works for me is not necessarily going to work well for you. And I always tell people that that's like, this what works for me. I'm not saying you should do it, you know? And a lot of people just want to copy what everyone else is doing and rather than figuring out what is going to work best for them. And it goes back again to that, that notion of being told what to do versus figuring out what to do and figuring out what to do takes you a lot farther than just being told what to do. So many people like want to be like, oh, like, you know, I want to eat exactly like you because I want like your results. And it's like, well, that's not what's going to happen if you just eat exactly like mm. me, you know? <laughs> oh, completely. And, and I think I don't want anyone listening to think that asking questions is bad. Like, no, I, no, I, I, I really I really don't want to do that. Like I like one of the questions I've been getting a lot lately is because like when my calories are lower in a cut, uh, I tend to switch over to OMAD, you know, one meal a day. And hashtag OMAD and talk about OMAD. 
And I get questions, you know, I get a lot of questions about that. Like, when are you setting your OMAD up? Like, when do you do that? Like, why are you doing it? Um, will OMAD help me? Is it something I believe, you know, is this the, is OMAD the key to your weight loss? I get that one a lot. Um, and I like to respond to that and talk about like, I OMAD for specific reasons. I OMAD because I personally enjoy a more filling meal and I enjoy, um, having that filling meal versus a lot of smaller meals. Cause I find for me when I do three or four smaller meals, my hunger doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. So I have, I have reasoning that I do OMAD. When my calories are, are near the top, like near my maintenance level, having an OMAD makes me nauseous. It's too much food. So I change then. And it's, it's not always a philosophical shift for me. But I enjoy talking about that with people so they understand that a lot of these tools that like some people, you know, I know some people, though, that OMAD is something that's really strong for them and is the only thing that helps them, you know, keep their kind of intake under control. And that's mm -hmm. that's fantastic. And so I don't mind sharing my perspective or even my perspective on like one of the things like you and I are both being work are working with deeper state keto coach. So we have a higher fat ratio than some people that do say like a keto gains program or something along those lines. I know for me, the higher fat ratio makes me feel a lot better. It helps with mental clarity. It helps with my cravings. So that's why I so I'll talk about that. And I'll say, yes, I, I eat 78 to 80 percent of my calories from fat every day. Um, I don't mind talking about that aspect and talking about what the impact is on me and what happened when, you know, we, you know, working with, with the keto road, we took my protein, you know, my fat macro down to more like 65%. And I know how I started to feel and I didn't like it. And we changed it again. Um, so I think it's okay to talk about, you know, how, you, how you react and how you feel and what tools you're using. Like, ask me what I'm doing. That's completely fine. But don't ask me for the specific macro numbers because, again, that would be like me giving you the key to a car that isn't the car you're going to try to drive. Like, it's not going to get you anywhere. Well, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's true for, like, it's, like, for, for exercise, too. Like, I, I do hiking um, more, more for fun than exercise, but I don't do a lot of cardio. And I would never tell people don't do cardio. I just don't. It's not something I like to do. It's not, like, my sustainable way of working out. And if mm. some people like cardio is really beneficial and like what they want to, what, how they, they enjoy working out or what's going to be better for them. And so I'm never going to, people ask me like, what's your workout routine? I'm like, well, this is what I do and this is why I do it. But you know, maybe that's not right for you. Are you someone who wants to get up every day at five o'clock and lift weights? You know, maybe not. So, you know, but I can give mm. you advice. I mean, I, I actually get a lot of questions about that. And I tell people like, oh, this is the plan I use and why. And like, this is where I recommend you get started. But the reality is you're, whatever plan you're going to be sticking to is going to be the one that's going to pay you the most dividends versus just here's you want my actual like workout split, you know, and why like, but, you know, so. Oh, exactly. More, and, and that's, yeah, I don't want to yeah, cut I you mean, off. No, I was just saying, I mean, like my, I, the kind of weightlifting I do now is very different than the kind of weightlifting I did when I was first starting. I'm not saying I'm like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm more experienced, but I wouldn't start out with certain like a certain kind of volume or routine because you're trying to build a foundation first. I'm no longer trying to build a foundation, you know? That makes complete sense. Why, why don't we move on to number seven? Um, I, I think with number seven, we'll, we'll start with yours. Well, it, it, I think it's, uh, it's, it's related to what we were just talking about. Cause um, you know, we were talking about people comparing themselves to other people. And I think mine is when people have, 
for, and I'll, I'll use a term from, from like psychology, like an emotional boundary. Um, mm-hmm. and, and with that, I'm not like, I, I'm sure I'm going to make someone cringe when I talk about this, who's far more knowledgeable than I am, but there's this concept of, of having a psychological or emotional boundary. And that's like being aware that you are not somebody else, you know, like I am not my brother. He is diff- a different person than me. Um, I am not my neighbor emotionally or psychologically. So when I do something or have an opinion, like they can have a different opinion, right? And it's not a judgment on my opinion or an attack on me. And I think a lot of people mistake differences in opinions and differences um, in beliefs as an attack or judgment on that opinion. So you'll see someone online and they'll say like, um, you know, I do X diet. And then they'll assume like, oh, that, why are they doing that? Like, are they like, I'm not doing that. So like, you know, and they, they worry about what, what their, their worldview or their philosophy or, or what's, what's best for them rather than, um, looking at the big picture, I think comes up a lot on social media where, you know, I'll post something and someone's like, well, like, how come you're not eating vegetables or how come you're, you're doing that? Or how come you're eating that much fat? Or how come you, you're, you, you don't care about grass fed meat. Like, you know, isn't grass fed meat important? And I'm like, yeah, but like, I can do something completely different, have a different opinion about that. And it has nothing to do with you. So if you, if you like something then go forth and prosper, but don't worry about the fact that I'm doing something different. It has nothing to do with what you're doing. It's all about fine. Like, I think there's the, the, the word that's been bantered about is like bio-individuality. Yeah. We're, mm-hmm. I don't think we're all special snowflakes and like, you know, that violate, you know, general biology rules and laws. But it's very true that what works what works for one person isn't going to work for somebody else. Like you know, I think you said you know you you figured out that you you work really well with a higher fat ratio. Um, I've started exploring that recently now too, and felt different um, eating more fat. But other people do I, that I know very closely do do horrible with that much fat. Mm. And they eat, they eat, eat, eat a lot of protein. Or people I know a couple of my friends who don't talk about it very much, but they they eat more carbs because of like, you know, hormones, like in their, their, their cycles or, you know, because they're endurance athletes. And they always tell me like, I'm worried that someone's going to freak out because I'm eating more, more fruit, you know? And I'm like, yeah, because people think that whatever you're doing is an, as a judgment on what they're doing versus thinking about, Oh, mm. maybe they, they have a different goal than I do or a different, a different need than I do. And so I think it's always important to remember that like you know i'm not you and you're not me if you like you know me me and you disagree about a lot of things like you're like you're like oh you know eat your vegetables miles i'm like i don't want to eat vegetables (laughs) you know like and Mm. it's not (laughs) oh nuts (laughs) right Uh, well we know that we we know that you love you love a good mouthful of nuts but i i i it it goes back to that idea that i think is bigger than social media and bigger than weight loss and fitness that we don't always have to agree and disagreement doesn't mean misunderstanding. And, and that's a problem I think I, I run into sometimes is, um, people will, um, are you there miles? I'm here. Are you there? Okay. You went completely yeah. dark for a second. Okay. Um, so, so I'll get back into it. Um, so I, Disagreement doesn't mean misunderstanding. Uh, it means that for me, I think about uh, people come at me and say, you know, here's my opinion on this for you. This is what I think you should be doing, X, Y, and Z. And I take that in and I process it. And then I say, um, okay, 
but I'm not going to change what I'm doing or I don't agree with you. And then they get very hurt because somehow my disagreement is somehow invalidating their opinion. And what I think people need to understand is that I can hear your opinion. I can completely understand your opinion to the best of my ability. Like, obviously, we all have like our human, you know, foibles and all of that. And that I can decide not to incorporate your opinion as my own. And that's okay. Like, it's, it's, it doesn't mean that I'm completely rejecting you as a person. It doesn't mean I'm rejecting everything that you do. Uh, it just means that in this instance, we disagree and we can move forward. Like, and if you can't move forward with someone because they don't agree with you, I think that's a much bigger problem for yourself oh, yeah. than a pet peeve. Yeah, and it, I don't, I'm not going to open a, a, a can of worms and go down the road, but that's mm. one of the biggest problems I've noticed right now, just in general, outside of just fitness, is that we, there's an inability for people to disagree about something mm-hmm. and then still get along. You know, like mm-hmm. I have friends who have different political beliefs or different religions, and we're able to like, you know, acknowledge that, but still be friends. And that is kind of, it goes back to the whole echo chamber group thing. You know, you, you need to be able to, exposed to ideas or opinions that differ from you without like attacking the person because of that i'm not saying we should you know support hate speech or people who are just being assholes but like right you know there's plenty of people who i'm friends with on uh, in the community who have different religious views than me and different worldviews and have different beliefs that i don't agree with um but it doesn't mean i'm gonna like hate them or attack them because of that you know right and i think it also doesn't mean that you have to embrace the person person like you we all get to choose who we interact with especially on social media like there's no we owe each other nothing and we're owed nothing and i i think that's really important to think about like if i don't like the way someone you know the way someone promotes their version of the ketogenic diet or what their behavior is i can unfollow their account and i don't have to turn it into a tirade against them I don't have to record an episode of a podcast listing them as my pet peeve, which I just happen <laughs> to be doing today. Um, <laughs> I just want, I wanted, I did want people to think that I wasn't being self-aware. Um, but I think it's okay sometimes to say that I understand that we disagree. I don't, I don't want to talk about this topic with you anymore. Like that's, you know, there's a difference between sheltering yourself from the world and, and desire and saying, I only have a limited amount of time in the day. And I'm going to put that energy where I need to put it for me. Like, if my goals are taking me in a different direction, like, it, it's the same thing that goes back to the different people in your life when you, when you embark on any kind of goal journey or anything along those lines. If there are people that hold you back, you don't have to continue to interact with them the same exact way. Like, don't be disrespectful, but realize that you don't have to. You don't, like, if you're, like, I'm someone that I can't, I, I don't really like going like my one of my big food weaknesses is Italian food, like Italian American food specifically, you know, like veal parm, pasta, all of those things. So I don't enjoy going and sitting at a, an Italian restaurant and watching people eat food like that. It's just not something that helps me. So that's OK. And if I know people that are going to a restaurant like that and they invite me to go, I don't have to say, well, we have to go to another restaurant. You know, maybe they really want that experience and that's something they've been looking forward to. Fine. Go have your experience. I don't have to be, I can be okay not being a part of it. I'm not going to miss out, I think is what comes out at the end of the day. And you have any more thoughts on that one? No, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, So we'll move on to my number seven, 
Uh, and this one, for me, I, I think I've ranted about this a little bit before on my stories on Instagram. And it, 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 this, this is probably one of the ones that is not just like a, I think a lot of our pet peeves are turning into like the Miles, the Miles and Gourmet educational moments. Like this for me is more of an actual pet peeve. Um, I, I see there are some accounts specifically in the keto sphere, but even in the, the weight loss sphere in general, but the keto sphere specifically that post um, keto desserts 24 seven, like pretty much any image they post is going to be a keto dessert. And if that's your thing, great. But then those same people will, will, will rant about weight loss stalls and the diet's not working for them. And they're not, they're wondering why they're having trouble, you know, controlling their caloric intake. And to me, as a, someone on the outside, I immediately think, well, it's because you're eating keto cheesecake every day. And I've actually interacted with some people that, that post like this and have these reactions. And, you know, they've been told, well, they, they responded. They're like, well, that's not all I'm eating. That's just all that I post. And I understand that. But the feedback I give is that that's what your account looks like. So then when you come and you complain about X, Y, and Z not working, we don't know the, the full picture. Um, so. I just think it, it, for me, it goes back to that idea that we have this, you know, especially people that have been, you know, morbidly obese, super morbidly obese, have a disordered relationship with food and this propensity to want to replace the old foods that we have trouble controlling with new foods. Just because the macro ratio on those foods changes doesn't mean that our propensity to want to eat them changes. And so I just think thinking about, you know, overusing the, that side of, of the keto sphere and still having trouble with those issues and with appetite control. Just maybe take a look, you know, scroll through your own profile sometime and look at, you know, what you're you're putting out there. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm not one of those people who who will pass judgment on what other people are doing um, with, like, you know, treats or whatever. I mean, I'm uh, even though I eat mostly, you know, a carnivore diet, I, I would be lying if I didn't say I have a bunch of Quest bars in my closet, you know. Um, I like right. treats as much as anybody else. But that said... You know, I think, oh, and this is something that I, I, where my, my perspective has changed a lot, right? Um, I, I think that a lot of these things are, you know, they're still candy bars, right? They're, they're, mm -hmm. yeah, and we, it's better to approach it from that perspective. Yeah, I'm still going to have these things as treats, but I have to view them as treats. Like in my old, when I first started, I was like, I can have four Quest bars and it fits my macros. But I wasn't thinking about is four Quest bars, is that a healthy way of eating? Not healthy, like, oh, does it have sugar in it? Is it healthy in the sense of is it going to set me back? But is it is it really am I really being nourished and getting like what I need out of nutrition from eating four Quest bars because I can eat four Quest bars? And so even though I I still love a lot of these products, I'm trying to figure out is this actually what's best for me long term and what's best for my nutrition? Um, and I think when people are first starting out, they just want to replace all the junk food that they have in their lives, and so they're looking for ways of replacing that junk food. And so I think that's why when I went, when I was at KetoCon, I was kind of bristling when a lot of people there were criticizing all the treats. Well, I'm like those treats are very important for people who are starting out because it's you can't mm. it's you take somebody who's eating can't Snicker bars every day and say okay just go eat a ribeye and some broccoli. They're not going to make it very far. Even though broccoli and, and ribeye are delicious, you're still going to have cravings for those Snicker bars. And so you got to you, you you think think of the, the the treats as kind of a crutch. I think a lot of people just never get out of the crutch phase. They're like I want to have my brownies and my baked goods all the time. Um, and so at some point you may have to examine that relationship a little bit closer. Like, is this actually something that is going to be like a barrier to me getting like to my weight loss goal or can I incorporate it mindfully? And that mm. is, you know, something that even I struggle with to this day. Like, you know, 
when I make my my delicious these blondies, sometimes I want to eat the whole pan. <laughs> oh yeah, understood. <laughs> understood very well. And I and I I think it's what is it? Because there's it's it's. I think a lot of what's coming out for me when we're having this discussion is a lot of this goes back to like my old my old work on you know counseling and communication skills and i i think it's the the cognitive dissonance of posting a million desserts and then talking about why don't i see any changes on the scale or more so posting a million keto desserts and talking about why do i have issues with my hunger or my appetite still why don't i see the reduction that other people are seeing and you want to help people make those those the connections of those contradictions but I also know it's it, I'm it's not my job to change people. <laughs> oh and yeah, exactly. I I think that that's what we all want to. We we do. I know there are people who see me talk about things or like when I talk about. I'm sure when I started talking about wanting to experiment with nut butter again, there were people that were screaming at the screen, "Don't do it! Don't do it!" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think we, that's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we, it's not our job to to. to we're not here to save everybody or help everybody. Everybody has to help themselves. But I see the same thing where I have a couple, couple of friends who, who, uh, who follow me and, and I'm there just to give them like my own advice and feedback. And I'll see them talk about, Oh, like feeling like crap or, you know, being in pain or uh, falling off the wagon again. And I'm like, well, there you go. Like, you know, you, cause you, you, you did X, Y, and Z. So like you, you, what have you learned from that? Like every time you do X, Y, and Z, this is what happens, and and yet, but I'm not going to sit there just telling them that over and over and over. Sometimes they have to figure it out. It took me a while to figure that out, you know. Mm. Understood, understood. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, we are coming to our top three. Um, so I just I just thought it was good to to mark that to let people know that the big three are coming up. Um, the next one we have we have varying thoughts on, and then we kind of come in line for the last two. Um, so why don't, why don't I'll start this one off and then we'll move to yours, uh, because mine kind of comes out of this idea of what people do when they run into stalls, um, or problems or things along those lines. Um, and I've actually changed my perspective on this a little bit since we started talking about it. So I'm I'm excited to dive into this one. So my number three is this whole idea of reactionary fasting, fasting in reaction to quote unquote bad behavior. Um, it's something that I, I think a lot of people do. I know that I've done in the past, you know, oh, I went over, I ate too much X, Y, and Z yesterday. I have to, a 24 hour fast will help me clear that out of my system or will help me do this. Um, and I think something that a lot of our, our friends, you know, who even might have some more experience with these issues have talked about is at the end of the day, um, Reactionary fasting is is a binging purging behavior. Um, if you're you're fasting because you ate something you you f- you quote unquote feel like you shouldn't have, um, you're making that choice to do it out of a place that's not necessarily probably the most healthy for you. Um, and the, the the change of perspective I've had isn't that that I still think reactionary fasting is bad, but I think my bigger pet peeve is people encouraging other people to do it, and I see that. Like when someone, because I know it takes a lot for someone to come onto a story on Instagram or make a post or or tweet and say, you know, I fell off this weekend. I ate pie at my grandmother's house. I did this or this, or, you know, I was at, 
I was at In-N-Out and about to get my my burgers without buns, and I decided to last minute to eat the buns, and now I don't feel good the next day. And you'll see people chime in saying, you just need to fast. You need a 72-hour fast, and that will just take care of that problem for you. Don't worry. You can get that weight right off. And I think it ignores what actually happened for that person in that moment, you know, psychologically, like why they made the choice to 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 go off their plan and all of that. And then it also just reinforces this behavior that's not going to be healthy for them in the end. Like, I know for me in, in 2012, 2013, when I was having my first kind of round of massive weight, real massive weight loss, I started fasting improperly. I was fasting too much because I wanted to reduce, you know, I wanted to keep the scale moving. Like, I think anytime we implement a tool like that in a way that isn't coming from a place that's about health and healing, we run into problems. I know what you think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have done this myself. And so this is something I've been guilty of. And so I, I'm speaking from that experience is that in the past, um, I would, uh, you know, go off plan on purpose, but I'd always think, well, I got to fast afterwards to kind of compensate for that. Um, or I overate, so I should probably think about doing a short fast to, to get back on track versus just recognizing that it's a momentary blip in the road. Um, and move on. And I think over time, I've really come to terms with the fact that it is a disordered, you know, binge uh, purge type of cycle. Um, you, you, you do you do the thing that that you think is bad. And so you in order to compensate, you got to punish yourself. And that just reinforces, I think, an unhealthy relationship with food in general. Um, and I think it's still really prevalent because you'll see people like all these resets, you know, like, oh, you know, mm. I, I went, like had a kick this week. And so time to reset, you know, or I got to get back into ketosis fast. And so I do that by fasting. And in my head, I'm like, well, this is not really a race. It shouldn't this be more about long term sustainability. And again, I think it goes mm. back to changing the mindset about cheats and making them something you're doing intentionally. Hey, I'm not saving this much money this month. It's having me back. Uh, I don't need to like, then not like let's say for example if i was trying to save money for my mortgage use an example again and then rather than planning a nice evening out at a fancy restaurant knowing it's gonna set me back it's like well i'm not gonna pay my credit card bill this month you know to compensate you know just Mm. just totally cut out something that's that's equally important versus you know just accepting that fact and moving on um and so i think you know having the experience doing it i i i really feel like it's something that people should should really examine a lot more carefully. You know, is this actually a good thing or am I just reinforcing a bad relationship with food? Mm. Excellent point. We can switch over to your uh, number three or well, it's your number eight, I guess. Number eight. I we Miles and I had this great we were trying to put this episode together. We had this great moment where we realized that we we look at numbering differently. Um, and it it was a nice little bit of confusion. Um, well, math is not which I'm sure. That's why I went to law school. For sure, for sure. It also illustrated one of my other pet peeves, and that's when people don't read things properly. Um, from my perspective, <laughs> um, like that was going to be my magic number eleven um, in terms of ten. But so I just want everyone to know out there, um, you know, who know us, uh, that we we had some we had a nice little misunderstanding. So. We're going to go to your, your, your top three, your number three, your number eight. Um, uh, and I want you to know that I, I'm very concerned about this. <laughs> um, well, my pet peeve is concern trolling. Um, and if you will, aren't, haven't heard that phrase before, concern trolling is when someone 
if there's a topic being discussed, someone will, will post a comment in response to it saying, oh, like, you know, like, isn't that a problem? Or shouldn't we be worried about X? Um, and that comes up a lot in fitness and community where someone's like, oh, aren't you worried you're not getting enough vegetables? Or aren't you worried about all that fat on your plate? Or, you know, aren't you worried about X, Y, or Z? Um, and that's, that's really, really prevalent in social media where, you know, someone like, will like, uh, I have, I have one of my friends, um, uh, his name is Fat Dad Keto. His name is Michael. He lives in New York and he does a lot of OMAD, right? You've talked about OMAD and that's what works for him. And he's, he talks about it every now and then. And so he'll post like his, his dinner and someone like, is not a lot of food, you know? And he's like, yes, it's OMAD. Um, <laughs> versus like, you know, like, you know, figuring out the fact that what he's doing works well for him or someone will, um, you know, like one of our other friends will post like his dinner and steak. And someone's like, did you really eat all that steak? And he's like, no, uh, you know, I just posted it for, to, to, to amuse myself. Or someone will say like, did you, re do you really eat all that fat in your, in your, uh, on, on your plate? And it's like, yes, it's part of my, my, my plan. This is what works for me. Or like, no, I'm, I don't really eat a lot of vegetables. Or like, I remember like keto coach Lauren posted, in one of her stories where she gets a lot of comments about like, why aren't you don't, it doesn't seem like you eat a lot of vegetables. And she's like, yeah, that, cause that's what works well for me and my plan. And so many people are always like worrying about other people um, and attacking what they're doing versus worrying what, what's best for them. Oh, <laughs> I agree. I think also sometimes it is, there's something a little more and there can be times where there are people that have a bit more of an insidious agenda behind it. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Where they're coming from a political place or a philosophical place, you know, I don't want to say the V word vegans, um, mm -hmm. but I will get a lot of concern trolling about um, eating meat and don't you eat a lot of meat and isn't that bad for the environment and isn't that bad for X, Y, and Z and isn't this bad for you and, you know, uh, someone yesterday I was talking with was, was talking about someone else and something they were eating and they started quoting the movie My Cousin Vinny because there's a scene in My Cousin Vinny where the guy is scooping Crisco into some, a dish and Vinny just says, have, have you not heard about the cholesterol problem that we have in the United States? Um, I think sometimes it's a it's a quote unquote, I just care about you message, but it really is me saying someone saying, I want to tell you what's right for you. I want to tell you what you should be doing, but I'm going to coax it in the I just want to make sure you're okay. And I just want to be, I want to show you that I'm concerned about you. I'm not, I'm not upset with you. I'm just concerned. And really they are upset. They're upset because the view is different. The belief is different. And this again, exp extends beyond health and fitness. Like, you know, it's, it's the, the, the wife, uh, Maud, Maud Flanders on Simpsons yelling, will someone think about the children? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, or it's also to draw some attention to themselves and get people to go look at what they're doing, you know, by being the, the stand up virtuous responder. Exactly. And I, I, I've so far been pretty fortunate that I've stayed above the fray with engaging with a lot of vegan, um, you know, trolls or, or people, but I think that would be, um, I'm not surprised that comes up, you know, um, I think that actually what's come up a lot for me is more like, salt or like you really like you know you shouldn't put that much salt on your food or whatever mm. um you know because people are just worried about health but they're just they're just judgmental of what you're doing but i think a lot of it comes back down to the, it's the the emotional boundaries like 
people hurt, like there's a phrase that Ryan P. Lowry said once on one of his like podcasts or posts about hurt people hurting people. Like if you're comfortable in what you're doing, you're not really gonna need to lash out at what other people are doing, you know. But if you if you're uncomfortable and you're not in a good place emotionally, you're gonna attack other people, project your 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 pain onto them. For sure. And and I wanna throw a disclaimer out there. I don't think that all concern trolling is from vegans and all vegans do that. I think there are concern trolls on the carnivore side. I think there are concern trolls on the keto side. There probably are. I, I, I think there's some on the if it fits your macro side of things when they're kind of like, can't you not live with X, Y, and Z? But Yeah, there's a lot um, of that. There's just know that like, it's, it's about – I'm trying to get at that it's about zealotry and the zealots that have quote-unquote yes. come after me are from that sphere. Yeah, you're always going to always that track, I, I don't, Well, you're always going to track people from the opposite side. Know what I mean? Right. So if right. you're mostly meat based, you're going to get the vegan zealots. And if like the carnivore people attack the vegans all the time, and I'm just like, why are we wasting our time on this? And, and that's and because I know I've got some vegan friends that listen to this podcast, and I don't want you getting mad at me. Um, but heck, get mad at me. You know, I'll be okay. I'll be fine. I have a, I have a, I'm having a Big Mac bowl after we finish recording. Not that anyone needs to know that, but that's my OMAD today. So I'm I'm excited that I've got some great food coming that will be loaded with beef. So I'll be fine. And I have beef from <laughs> the smoker right now. Oh, I don't even want to talk about the stuff you're able to do with meat. Um, let's let's move on, Miles. I'm going to start concern trolling your smoker. Um, our next two are, are ones that we agree with, um, so that we've come in line, and I think it's because they're just kind of bigger ones for us to think about. So. Our number nine on the on this list of ten pet peeves. I'm going to use that numbering so I don't confuse people. Number nine, we're getting to the end of the list. Um, is when people say things like, "I could never do that. I could never do what you do. I could never do that." It's this fear of failure and an unwillingness um, or fear of change that can really kind of envelop people sometimes and hearing it it it's just as you know it, it can get frustrating when someone says i could never do that i know that's something that frustrates you a lot oh it does i mean i uh, for me i always i think you said when people tell you i could never do that and when i hear someone yeah. say i could never i just i automatically translate that into i'm afraid of trying um and i think this it's rooted in a fear of change and it's rooted in a fear of failure. People who are trying to, to, to improve themselves like financially or fitness or whatever weight loss in order to do that, they're going to have to change into a different person. And most people either know that and are afraid of doing it or can't contemplate that. So the, what I always use the analogy of money, like if you are in debt and you're like bankrupt and you want to get um, into a financially sound situation, the only way you can do that is by not acting like a person who is bad with money. You have to act like a person who's good with money. You can't just like if you win, like when people win the lottery, they're they're broke, um, you know, sooner rather than later because they were they never knew how to manage money. You can't just give somebody who's broke money and then they will be well off. They have to learn how to manage it. And if you are a morbidly obese person, you have morbidly obese habits and tendencies. And fit people have different habits. And so you're going to have to change into a fit person and adopt those habits to be a fit person. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They want to lose weight and still be able to go to Taco Bell at 1 o'clock in the morning whenever they want to. They want to lose weight, but they don't want to work out. They want to be bodybuilders, but they don't want to lift heavy-ass weights, to quote Ronnie Coleman. 
And so many people mm-hmm. are afraid of the process that's going to require them to change. And then a lot of it is fear of failing. Like, you know, people don't want to try something and fail. Like when I hear people say like, like you know, the, the, the cliche thing is like, I could never give up bread. And it's like, I've never tried giving up bread. You know, what's the long, what's the amount of time you've ever tried doing that? And it's like, they haven't even tried because they're afraid of what it's like when it happens. Oh, that's, <laughs> that. you're hitting it spot on there, right? I think the other variation that can come into play with this is not just when people say, I could never do that, or when it, when it translates to them to, I wish I could do that, or I, I wish I had, if I only had your motivation, I would do what you did. If I only, if I only could do what you did. And I, I, I want, you know, I want to hammer home that, Everything I do, especially the things that have become my new habits, aren't things that were new habits to me. Like I flipped a switch and they were perfect. Um, it takes a lot of experimentation and trying and, and, and work. And motivation fades. Consistency is what gets you through. Like I don't wake up motivated every day. I don't wake up every day screaming that I'm ready to go to the gym and I'm excited. Um, I wake up some days and I think about what are the things I have to do to keep working towards my goals. Like understand that it's okay to feel like you can't do something but don't say i can't do it until you've tried it until it's something that you've actually tried and if you try it and you can't do it then look at maybe you need another tactic or a new way to approach that that thing like there's got to be you know a, a time in our lives where we start to um be a little more open to to trying new things when the old things haven't worked like you said like when you're morbidly, when I was 540 pounds, my habits in my life were about keeping me 540 pounds. Like I had just built that world. Like I literally built a world around myself that would keep me there. And I had to change that in order to move forward. And it, I had to move out of the, I can't do it to, I have to at least try. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just sounds like some like extreme, like, you know, like motivational, you know, like, guru stuff right but the, one of right. the best pieces of advice i always hear is like well what do you want it like if someone's like what do you want to be like do you want to be a businessman do you want to be like whatever like what what do you want to be well then look at what they do and then do that it's like you have to adopt mm. the habits of successful people in order to be successful in order to lose weight you have to adopt the habits of someone who's lost weight and uh, it's you know and the thing about going back to the whole is keto restrictive right does it, it your fit your if it fits your macros work in theory yes but does it work in practice for the majority of people no if it did most more people would be successful so you have sometimes you have to acknowledge that you may have to do something a little bit more extreme than you want to do in order to reach your goals um and then at least try that and see if it works agreed 100% man 100% because are I you ready tell- to move no good Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, like, because mm-hmm. I don't think, like, no one, you, you don't necessarily need to do this in order, in order to, to be successful. But, you know, if you have a problem and you're trying to lose weight, at least try and then fail completely. Right. Then you know, you right. don't know until you failed completely. And so many people aren't willing to fail completely and then, and then reassess. Oh, and, and I've had that happen recently where, like, especially the more, like, with this podcast and, and with my account, you know, sharing how, what keto's done for me and, and what I, you know, how I eat and all of those things. And I've had people who will say, you know, I relate so much to your story. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try keto now. I'm going to try what you did. And then they try it 
and it doesn't work for them. Like it's not something they can get themselves into doing. It's not something that's sustainable for them. And then they almost are ashamed to tell me that it didn't work out. And you know, my response is always, okay, so you try that. What are you trying now? Not let's dwell on something not working for you. Like, what are you trying now? Like, what's, what tool are you like? Don't give up just because the tool you were using didn't turn out to be the tool that you needed. Like if you're building furniture from Ikea and you have the wrong wrench, you don't just throw the furniture away. Like think about, are there other, there's so many tools out there in our, our belts that we can use when it comes to these challenges. Like, um, our goals might all be similar, but the paths we end up having to take to get to them might end up being different. And I think that's okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Cause I, one of my good friends and, and that um no, who's not on on instagram just one of my good friends in general tried keto did not work for them it was not sustainable and then switched more to a more flexible approach and it has achieving that success but they actually went through the work of seeing if it would work for them and finding out that it wouldn't that's awesome well miles are, are you ready for us to approach our final topic i am the juicy topic it is. It's juicy. And we saved this one for last because not only in like the, the fitness influencer sphere is this a very popular topic right now. It's one that I've talked about on the podcast and also um, will be appearing on, on, a, on a YouTube channel sometime over the next few weeks um, talking about. But um, it's this idea, you know, well, well, I guess our big picture take on it is that people put their feelings over their facts. And it relates directly to this idea of you can be healthy at every size. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. This 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 is the like the third rail I think of the fitness community these days. Um, yeah, I th I think there's there is so we hear a lot about like loving yourself and being kind to yourself, right? And no one should hate themselves and and think poorly of themselves. A lot of people come from you know depression and like like a darker place when they're overweight um but i to me i think um there's this there's this notion that's emerged that you you can be well a the guess the, the haze you can be healthy in any size um but b that like body positivity means embracing obesity now i don't think mm. anyone should should be attacked or shamed or denigrated for being overweight like you know like we mean you mean you've talked about the fact that like no one knows where anybody is in their journey or or uh what they've gone through Someone could have seen me at 300 pounds and like, look at that fat ass over there. And I'm like, I used to weigh four, almost 500 pounds. You don't know what all the work I've done or, you know, where I am in my journey. And I always try to remember that when I see somebody, you know, walking down the street overweight, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to say there's another fat guy. I'm going to say, I don't know what he's dealing with. I don't know how much, if he's lost weight. I don't know like what he struggled with. Um, you know, I'm not going to just start talking to him, but I'm going to think about it from that perspective. But that said, like, if there's one thing to like be kind to people and not attack them, but it's one thing to enable that self-destructive behavior and say, Oh, it doesn't matter if you're a fat, it doesn't matter if you're overweight, it doesn't matter if you're obese, you can still be beautiful. Well, you're, you're shortening your life. You are going to die younger. You're not taking care of yourself or your family. And it, there's one thing to recognize that we shouldn't attack people, but we should also be able to say, you know, no, you are unhealthy and you need to change. And right now there's a lot of pushback against, um, losing weight and wanting to change yourself and like recasting that as negative thoughts, not loving yourself. And I think my response to that, no, loving yourself means recognizing you need to take better care of yourself. Um, I mm. think that's where a lot of the conflict is, is it's, you know, there's like body dysmorphia and, and body positivity 
doesn't mean we, we throw out weight loss as an admirable goal. Uh, I, I, I agree 100,000% with that. I think, one, and this is something I, I know that Alan Roberts talks about a lot, and, and also when Matt Vincent was on here, we talked about this. Like, People of all shapes and sizes can be attractive to other people. You know, if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. Like, that's not, this is not what this discussion is about. Like, this discussion is about the fact that there are literally people telling people that are dying because of what they're eating and their weight, you know, to not change because that somehow is self-hating behavior. You know, the people that will say, if you post a before and after photo, you're shaming people and saying mm -hmm. you hate the person in your before picture. And I, I think one of the things like I've tried to say a lot is one, there's, I, I wasn't always, I wasn't miserable 24 seven when I was bigger. Like I, I, I make that very plain, but also it had to come down to me wanting, caring enough about myself to make change. Like, it, and, and I'm not, again, I know, right. I, I feel like every word we're saying in this one is going to be something people can take out of context because like, oh, he says he cared about himself. So that means that fat people don't care about themselves. That's not what I'm saying. This is the fat guy forum. I include the F word because I think it's okay to talk about, you know, what it means for me to have been a fat guy and talk to other fat guys about their experiences in their lives. But I think when someone says I'm 500 pounds and don't have any health problems, they're being ignorant to truth. And, and I had years that I felt 100% fine when I was over 450 pounds, 500 pounds, like I felt fine. And then I stopped feeling fine. And I think there's an inevitability to that health decline that people want to ignore. And I think that's just, we love as human beings to ignore things like problems until they, they are right smack dab in our face. Even me on my health journey, you know, I ignored, you know, in 20, was it 20? I'm I'm trying to do the math now on, on everything because like it's been so long, but it was 2017 that I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker with a respiratory issue. And I was avoiding going to the doctors because I was terrified of doctors. And I waited until I was hours away from death before I finally went to an emergency room. And I think we have a propensity as human beings to somehow ignore the warning signs because we know we're afraid of, the, of changing the behavior or we don't want to face that it might mean changing the behavior that you can, if you love your body the way it is, but your body isn't healthy, you're making a choice. And as adults, we can all make choices. I think that's fine. I think where this crosses the line is when it becomes encouraging other people because you want to reinforce your own behavior. So you want to encourage other people to not change. Yeah. And that's where, that's where it comes from. The, 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 the toxic part of the healthy and every size movement is when it's made by people who that they themselves don't want to change or feel a certain way about their body. And so don't want anybody else to, to change because they, they, they have this poor emotion. It's a, it comes down to healthy emotional boundaries, you know, at the end of the day there, any, any, when someone else wants to better themselves, they take it as a, as a, a threat or a judgment on themselves. And so they attack people who want to change. I mean, I, I think we, as when you're overweight, having been there myself, you minimize everything. Like I, you know, I used like when people, I never had, no one's ever really attacked me before about like posting before and after, but you know, um, I've, I've lost a lot of weight and someone like one of my friends, um, or more of an acquaintance commented about like, Oh, you know, 
you know, you were, you were fine when you were overweight and you shouldn't felt the need to like get weight loss. And I was like, when I was overweight, I had sleep apnea. When I was overweight, I was always in pain. When I was overweight, I was depressed. When I was overweight, I had high cholesterol. I had high blood pressure. I was going to die. Like these are all these things that I was minimizing and downplaying. And now all the all those things have been greatly reversed or are gone. And like that's what I wanted. That's what I did. I, I didn't do it because you know um, I'm only valuable as a skinny person and not valuable as a fat person. I did it because I was killing myself. And mm. when I see people. You know, that, that's the thing that the, the, the sad part, the, the hardest part about being a formerly obese person is you recognize all the lies. You recognize all the minimization. Mm. You recognize all these psychological things in other people. And you're like, you know, I know, like, quit your bullshit because I was doing the same thing. Um, and so, like, I think that what, what we need to find to, to strike a tone in the community is how do we connect with people who need to lose weight without attacking them, but also mm -hmm. rejecting the notion that, you know, you know, obesity is a normal thing because we've the phrase I've used before is we've normalized the unnormal in modern society. You know, obesity is not normal. It's not healthy. I mean, we've kind of normalized it recently, unfortunately, I think. I don't think we should attack people for not having perfect bodies, but we shouldn't support self-destructive behavior. I, I agree. I, I think. I think there's a, a difference between saying in either direction. Everyone needs to be X, Y, and Z. Everyone needs to weigh a certain amount, have a certain BMI, have a certain, you know, weight goal, all of those things. Um, I think there's ways for people, you know, people don't have to be at a certain weight to be healthy. I don't think that everyone has to be a certain weight to be healthy. I do think there are weights that people get to that are just intrinsically not healthy. And I think... It's our fear of allowing some variation there and allowing us some, allowing someone to say, you know, I'm X number of pounds overweight, but I exercise, I, I eat, I put the nutrients in my body that my body needs and everything seems to be okay. You know, I feel, I feel good living my life, but I think it's about being honest with yourself. I know for me, like when I was at my heaviest or even, you know, got back to my heaviest, I was all about that. I'm the happy fat guy life. I love being fat. I'm I'm happy with my body. This is who I am. This is I'm you know large and in charge, loud and proud, all of that. Um, and I know at the end of the day, though, I I didn't a hundred percent feel that way, but I was doing it because I was trying to convince myself of that. And I think it's you know something that I think can happen for people. And I know there are people who are bigger and are happy. Like that's not who I'm talking to in all of this, but like. I'm more, for me, the pet peeve is when it becomes about telling people they have to change or that not that they have to change, that they shouldn't want to change that. And that yeah, somehow exactly. by seek and by seeking that change, your, your disordered behavior. And by me wanting to be a more mobile, healthy, smaller person, I'm somehow, I'm the problem. Yeah. You know, I don't I mean, think that's, that's not the way it works. Yeah, there's there's definitely a spectrum, right? I mean, there's one thing to like like if I was like, oh man, I want to be like five percent body fat and like weigh 150 pounds, some sort of really unrealistic, you know, for my size um, weight, right? And that's true. Like body dysmorphia is a real thing. Like you know, disordered behavior can happen when you lose weight, right? Or people who become like oh, they yeah. like they come addicted to working out and they feel like miserable unless they like run five miles every day. Like you can take it to an extreme, right? But you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't like, we shouldn't 
view it negative to like say, hey, you know what? I really want to be in the best possible shape I can, and I'm going to do what it takes to get there. Like that, that wanting to change yourself that way is is healthy as long as you have a realistic, um, like goal in mind. Definitely, and I, I just I I wish there was a less propensity amongst people to get defensive about assuming that someone someone makes a statement about themselves that it applies to everyone and we've talked about this before in other pet peeves like i I don't think someone celebrating a fitness goal is shaming everyone who can't hit that goal like yeah i can't run under i can't i can't run a 10 minute mile i can't run a 15 minute mile Mm -hmm. i don't i don't feel bad when one of my friends says they did an eight minute mile and they're excited about it like I think it really has to go back to like controlling what you can control for yourself and realizing that you don't have to control everyone else. And I know this also goes to bigger, bigger picture for people, literally bigger picture for people in terms of talking about the way the world reacts to bigger people and to, you know, what it's like to be a fat person moving through the world. Like that's a whole different experience. Um, That's, that's not, like you were saying, like we shouldn't be telling someone they should feel bad about themselves or what their choices are. But I don't think we should then flip it around and shame the people that are making change and are making sustainable change and say, well, you're going to you're going to just come back anyway. You know, you're going to fall off the wagon. You'll come back like you'll be yeah. back in that same spot eventually. It's that the, the, the sad thing. I mean, so much this is rooted, rooted in human, human nature and. It's just that 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 crab bucket mentality where we 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 think of success it's scarcity mentality really like success is mm-hmm. this finite thing and someone else's success means we are failures rather than them mm-hmm. being able to succeed and us being able to succeed and so much comes down to like viewing success as not like a, a small pie but a larger thing that we can all all achieve and and we we may, may not be able to achieve it the same way but we can all achieve something like I I may never be like you know, I may never have a six pack shredded abs. I may always have loose skin, right? So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna feel like attacked when I see somebody else in the community achieve that, or like you know, someone who runs a certain mile, or someone who deadlifts more than me, or somebody who weighs less on a scale. You know, like that's their success, and I have to figure out what my success is. And so much of this comes down to like finding a good mental space and figuring out what is best for the individual, and not necessarily comparing myself to everybody else. For sure. I, I think for me, the pin I put in it is I firmly 100% believe that it is possible to be happy at every size. I but think there, you know, not, not, not every person is, is happy, is, is healthy at every size, but I think you can be happy at every, and I'm not saying it's possible for every person to be happy at every size, but I think it's possible for someone to 100% feel happy with themselves, no matter what their size and their health is. I don't I don't disagree that that can be reality for people. I don't at all. I believe that firmly. But I don't think that healthy at every size is possible. I do think you can get healthier healthier, but again, textbook definition of 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 health and longevity, I just I know I know deep in my heart that it's just not it's not a reality. Well said. Any, 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 anything else you want to put a pin in for that one? 
and I think we mostly covered it. I think I think it just comes down to the oh I think I guess to not to to spin it the opposite way, but I think it's no. you said you you can be healthy. You can be you can be you can't be healthy at every size, but you can be happy at every size. I would say that the an important takeaway is that weight loss will not make you happy. Losing weight oh, yeah. is not is not not going to make you happy. And I think that's something that's actually valid. People will say like you know you know losing weight isn't going to solve all your problems. It's not going to solve all your problems. It's just going to solve ones that are that are shortening your lifespan and your health span. So it's not the end all be all. Oh, for sure. I agree. I agree with that one hundred percent. I don't, I think real happiness can be independent of, and also all encompassed by like yourself as a holistic being and not just one facet of your, of your life. Um, and I think people go through that. They, they lose, I did that, you know, when I lost the weight and didn't work on anything else, like I, I regained all the weight because I wasn't working on everything that was involved with my process and myself as a person and who I wanted to be. Um, we, we phrase this one though. I, I do want to, uh, just in case we want to touch on this a little bit as you know, the pet peeve really is people putting feelings over facts. You know, the healthy at every size issue is a fact issue. Um, it comes up in other areas too, when people don't want to believe something because of how they feel about it versus what it actually is in reality. Like, I think this is almost a bigger can of worms. So I don't know if now that we're approaching the two hour mark, I want to, I want to open this lid. But I, I, I think it is that whole idea that um, calories in, calories out don't matter. Um, I, I think saying that calories don't matter is, is a feelings over facts statement. I think saying that the type of food you eat doesn't matter as long as you eat the right number of calories in terms of your overall health doesn't matter is another feelings over facts statement. Like I think there's so much more nuance and fact to what we do. And when you come down solidly in either one of those camps, I think you're ignoring so much in between that can be helpful. Well, yeah, that goes back to like black and white, like all or nothing um, right. like dogmatic approach. I think that there is a lot of people who don't like back to your saying about tracking being a disorder. A lot of people, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of support emotionally for like, oh, we, we shouldn't need to track calories or early men didn't have a color a food scale and all this stuff and mm. ignoring ignoring the modern world that we live in that's obesogenetic and on demand pizza and all these issues that we have now. And I I would say that um ignoring like calories, you know, people want to do that because they they don't want to have to like track or put that in like think about it that way. They want it to be intuitive. They they don't want like they want less of the responsibility to be like attract and accountable, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. emotionally, like, cause like if, if it just comes down to how much you eat, then it's like, it's your fault for eating too much food. Not that, that, that's, that's the answer, but it, people feel that way. And so they want to ignore that. The flip side is people who say that, that calories is all that matter is that's also oversimplification. The whole, like if it's your macro is just, you could eat like half an Oreo that ignores what happens on the ground. Like I know from personal mm-hmm. experience that, calories control weight loss and weight gain. I just finished a bulk. I'm cutting now. I know what happens from like meticulously logging this when I eat more calories and when I eat less calories. I've seen it play out for me. I don't think I'm a special snowflake and everybody else doesn't have to do that. I think it's pretty universal. That said, I've noticed exactly what happens when I eat like, let's say I'm going to eat like 200 calories of, of cereal today. I know that I'll be really hungry and crave food all day long and more likely to overeat food. I know that if I eat um, 
like more fat, I'll be more satiated and more likely not to overeat. So like, I know that it's, it's, a, yeah, maybe calories are important, but it doesn't matter if calories are important if I can't stop eating them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Completely. So Miles, we've come through our 10 social media pet peeves. And it's, lost it's a lot been of a long along the way. Oh, probably for sure. Um, so I, I need new friends. So if anyone new wants to DM me, please do. Uh, is it, are there any, is there any, any kind of overall closing you want to, you want to put on the pet peeve list before we move on to the, the new fat guy forum segment? No, I think the, 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 I think we, we kind of covered everything. I think, um, that, we, we, that went a lot longer than I thought it would. Not that's a bad thing, but we, we really covered a lot. I definitely think we did. I think this is an episode that people can start and stop. And, and move their way through for sure. So it's now time for us to move into the newest, the newest, the latest and greatest segment here on the Fat Guy Forum that I call the Fat Guy Five. These are five questions that I'm going to ask every guest, every episode, and get their perspective on. So are you ready, Miles, for your five questions? I am. Okay, so first, Miles, living or dead, who's your favorite fat guy? Um. Well, unfortunately, he's dead. Um, his name is Patrice O'Neill. He was a stand-up comedian. I think he died um, maybe like a couple of years ago. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, he died because he was overweight. He was about 400, 500 pounds. And I think he died of a heart attack relatively young, like in his 40s. Mm -hmm. And he, he um, I guess it's fitting for this podcast because this podcast is about controversial things. But he was kind of a controversial comedian as most comedians are comedians are kind of like how we examine truth in society and say uncomfortable things when we like wrap them in humor. And so he was oh, kind yeah. of a, kind of a non PC, you know, like kind of a raunchy comedian. And he was really, really smart. Um, and had a lot of like good, like, you know, views on relationships in life. And I, th I always thought his humor was fat. was, was very entertaining. And then unfortunately he passed away. Hmm. Well, he was he was definitely a hilarious man, so I agree with that selection. Miles, number two, what was your quintessential fat guy meal? Um, it's kind of I was it's kind of hard to think about the quintessential fat guy meal, but if I if I had to choose one meal, it would probably be be frozen pizza. Like one of my all time favorite things was to go to this grocery store and get a tombstone frozen pizza um and you know where it comes on a piece of cardboard and it's like a thin cracker crust and bake it in your oven that was like one of my go-to things like it was often one of my first dinners when i had multiple dinners tombstone frozen mm. pizza there you go number three miles um and maybe we covered this as we were talking through pet peeves maybe not but Tell me, what is your one biggest tip to other fat guys out there who want to change? I think it's the my number one tip is just just try. Like uh, some people are f afraid of of failing, um, and I know from my personal experience, I start, I tried and failed so many times, and so you just kind of have to keep to doing it. It's cliche, but you just have to succeed one more time than you fail. So just keep trying, you know, and don't give up. Like, I guess the, the, I, you know, like, I hate like motivational, like phrases and quotes, but my favorite one is just stay in the fight, you know, like, don't, don't, don't eliminate yourself. 
You know what I mean? Like, don't give up yourself. Let 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 life eliminate you. And that sounds dark, but you know what I mean? Like, don't hmm. don't be the one who who, who 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 eliminates yourself from the fight. There you go. So talking about motivation, number four, what book, podcast, or other resource would you suggest to someone that needs some motivation? If it's if it's a book, I would say The Obstacle is the Way, Ryan Holiday. Um, that's about like, it's kind of a stoic a book. It's just about like when you have all these like difficult challenges, like what do you do? Um, and it's kind of hard to succinctly explain the theory of the book, but it's basically like whatever the challenge is, then you like lean into the challenge. And that's how you get you get better at life. Um, I think one of the books that if it's about in the context of, of of fitness and weight loss, it's not about weight loss, but there's a book called The Art of Practice. And that is all about like how when you get better at anything in life, it's just about practice and and, and continuous small improvements. Like like you don't become like in order to lose weight, you have to adopt the habits of a healthy person. But you don't go from zero to perfect overnight. You like one day you get up early. The next day you get up early and maybe you meditate. Maybe after a week of that, you get up early and you go to the gym. Maybe after that, you go to the gym for 30 minutes. And then, you know, over time, you, you, you still like chip away and build that wall. And so that book talks about that concept. And so I think if you combine the idea of like leaning into challenges and then slowly building, chipping away at it, that's how you get, you get there. I think those two books are really helpful. Great. And lastly, Miles, can you tell us one of your non-weight loss or fitness goals for the next year? Um, I would say non-weight loss and non-fitness goals. Um, well, I wasn't expecting that question. Um, I really, really want to, in the next next year, travel abroad. Um, I just, I have to make sure that I manage my, my, my finances and time. Like I... I mean, this may sound kind of conceited, but this is the first year in a long time I haven't traveled overseas. And that's one of my like passions in life. And like, it's one I sacrifice a lot from, from like, you know, other, other aspects of my life to do that. Like I don't drive a fancy car. I don't eat out a lot. I don't buy a lot of fancy things because I like to be able to travel. And this year I had a lot of other things that came up and got in the way of that. And so next year I really want to travel overseas. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. So, Miles, if somehow there's anyone listening who doesn't know how to contact you, where should people best reach out to you? Where can they find you? I'll give everybody my personal address and my phone number mm. and my geotag. No, um, I'm Telecron on Instagram, um, and that's where I am most active. Awesome. And I'll, obviously, that link will be in the show notes for everybody. So thank you, everyone, for joining Miles and I as we go through some of our pet peeves and beliefs and attitudes and information and all that jazz for for this list of this episode of the fat guy forum i hope you got something out of it that might be helpful to you and if you didn't this is your chance to know that you can give me some feedback let me know what you thought don't just ask me what a pet peeve is because i'll tell you to google it i will so don't do that but you can find me on instagram at gourmet underscore goes underscore keto on twitter at gourmet goes keto no spaces or anything there and then you can also email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. As I end every episode, I'm going to remind you to do something today to amaze yourself. Make that one thing happen that you want to make happen that'll, that'll totally show you that you're an amazing person. This is your host, Gourmet, telling you to catch us again on another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. <laughs>